Hello. 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 You all right? Hello. Everyone all right? Yeah. 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 Cool. This is a very normal, this is a very normal one, Jim. You started a conversation with words. Well, greetings. Well, here's the thing, folks. <laughs> here's, here's the thing. The past couple of episodes have had, let's say, more comments than normal toward the beginning of the podcast because it timestamps on SoundCloud. SoundCloud. More than usual, I'm seeing comments sort of within the three-minute margin that just say things along the lines of this is disgusting or this is genuinely um, upsetting. So I thought today I'd not talk about the subject matter we've been talking about before. And I can't even reference any of it. I didn't think our recent episodes have been anything different to the 290-odd before that. Well, here's the thing, right? <laughs> A foot job on its own isn't that disgusting a talking point. Mitch McConnell, on his own, is a disgusting talking point, but not of the genuinely alarming variety. Now, the mistake that was made was me putting my chicken and my pudding together. Oh, so t today it's just gen gentle. Hello, how is everyone doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. A nice normal one today. H hello, everyone. <laughs> I like to start this podcast off with a little bit of banter, you know, but I realised that lately I've got nothing that isn't disgusting. So I'm, 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 I'm trying to keep my chicken and my pudding separate now, um, but that's just chicken. I haven't got any, like, garlic parmesan for it or anything. It's just chicken. If we're doing a very normal one today, a very normal one, Hello and welcome to Podquisition. It's a podcast where we sometimes talk about video games. Usually it's me, Laura, with Jim and Comrade, but we have someone else here today. Hello. This is Tanya, Tanya DePass. Tell people who you are, Tanya. You're lovely. Hi. Well, thank you, Laura. I think you're lovely too. My name's Tanya DePass. If you've seen I Need Diverse Games Around the Internet, um, it was me being mad about video games literally at six in the morning before I went to, at the time, day job. And it has turned into its own thing, its own uh, organization. Also, I do diversity consulting for games, both video games and tabletop. I do a tabletop show from Wizards of the Coast called Rivals of Waterdeep. I DM a couple games. One is a Dragon Age game on a friend's channel, Wandering DM. And the other is combining D&D uh, and Animal Crossing in a show called Dungeon Crossing because I was a guest on Gary Witta's show, Animal Talking. And that's a lot of talking and animals and crossing. But that's what I do. I, I talk often on the internet. And lately I've been a real grumpy so-and-so on the internet. Um, <laughs> so more than usual. See, there you go, Jim. That's how, that's how we do a normal, normal intro. There you go. Huh? No, no well, needing to talk about, about your, your sex things or whatever you uh, normally do. I mean, you, you can if you want, but... I'm literally playing with toys while we're talking. <laughs> I, I just need to point out, I've got a, a flying alien queen from the 90s and I'm flapping <laughs> her little wings. Um, I'm being treated for ADHD. <laughs> Would you believe it? I've... Shocking. Here's the thing, though, right? She's got a snapping talon as well. Um, only on the one foot, but she's got a plastic talon and, and it sort of snaps back on a spring and then you can pick things up with it and, and then you can lift her, lift her up and then the alien queen will carry it. Oh, it's hard to really talk about it when, without pictures. Um, but basically, I, I made the mistake of leaving out 
lots of toys that I left out to play with on a live stream <laughs> yesterday. So obviously now they are all in my hands. So I mean, I'm 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 glad I'm not the only person whose recording desk currently just has <laughs> things that could be played with around the desk. I have a little le- a train made out of Lego that will not fit a Lego person inside, and I think that's travesty. That that should not be. Hang on, what? You've got a Lego train that a Lego person can't go in. Yeah, like the, there's enough space for the feet, but like the the the, the arms and that it's too short for the head to fit in, and like the arms, are, it, just, it it looks like a person should fit in, but it doesn't, and that's honestly appalling. That is terrible design. Huh. I suppose that train is a metaphor for society. Oh. <laughs> Oh dear. <laughs> oh no. I tried oh, to no. do satire and I made you, a mistake. You've, you've brought politics into this podcast again. I tried to do satire and I made a mistake. Help me. Get me out of it. Well, maybe we can just imagine that this is the train for the rich. Ah. That's that's why my um, Le- Lego Laura won't fit in because oh no, she's not high society enough to fit in the Lego train. No, but well, but a rich person with no head Boy, they'd fit right in, wouldn't they? <laughs> oh, 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 Conrad, you dirty revolutionary! <laughs> oh, get in the get in the naughty corner, get in the dirty naughty revolutionary corner, you naughty revolutionary boy. It's AEW tonight, by the way. I was wrong. Oh, okay, thank you. Hey, they're shifting these things around on me. It's 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 really upended me. It's discombobulated me. Hello, Conrad. You've been Hello. very quiet. I have been. Well, you know, had much to say for yourself. Well, you, you, I'm just I'm lost because I, I my expectations are completely thrown out of the balance by this very sort of casual and almost mature start to our show. It's not bad, is it? It's it's almost like it's a real podcast, right? But I I don't know what to do with that. <laughs> I don't know what to do with it. It's, it's fine. I'll tell you what to do with that. Yeah. Let's have some structure. Let's Who's some structure. played a video game that they want to talk about this week? In fact, I might even pick one because I know that three out of the four of us have played some of the same video game this week. Should we talk a bit about that that Marvel's Avengers that, <laughs> that has, has come out? Sure. Ha <laughs> um, ha. Yeah, Tanya, would you like to go first? Sure. I actually uh, started playing it this morning. I did get early access, so thanks Square Enix. Hashtag sponsored FTC disclosure. Ooh. <laughs> I got to play it, and um, I was having a lot of fun with it. And I really wish we knew more in advance that... Kamala. Oh, that it's 100% a Kamala Khan video game. Correct. You know, yeah. you know, I, I'm a big MCU fan, but the feels and the heart strings that were pulled and seeing like this nerdy little girl super excited to literally meet heroes yeah, and seeing her dad so supportive and the scene and without spoiling too much, but there's a very interesting scene about gatekeeping early in the game where someone basically is like, if you were a real fan, you'd know X. And she quotes back a line from one of the Avengers and the gatekeeper literally doesn't know where it's from. Yeah. And I was like, why is this my Twitter life right now? Help. (laughs) I didn't say it, but I was thinking it. (laughs) Yeah. Like they, they, they mentioned this in one interview back in, I think it was October last year. And do you know why they haven't mentioned it since? nerdy whiny internet boys got really 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 upset and salty about how dare my big budget avengers game be about playing as a pakistani muslim teenage girl and they very 
very much quietened that down in the marketing. It's like, no, it's the Avengers. The event is the people from the movies. But like, I've I I completed that story mode today, and one hundred percent like um. If you think of the the Civil War MCU movie, which was technically a Captain America film on paper, it was called Captain America Civil War, but it was totally an Avengers film. This is one of those situations. It's called the Avengers. It's a Miss Marvel game. And I mean, as someone that really likes Miss Marvel, I was like, oh, I'm very happy to just have a story campaign where I just get to play as Miss Marvel because she's a real cool character. She's very enthusiastic and not just a miserable, miserable person. Yeah, it was interesting. And, you know, the fact that it's it's not the, the actors from the movies was interesting. But my chat apparently knows voice actors way better than I do. So, um, but it, it's fun. I'm looking forward to diving back into it. Uh, Laura was in chat and I was getting a little annoyed with the, you have to do this event in order to progress. Like, I just started the game. Give me, give me a chance to learn it first and to be kind of locked into a gamification I mean a game within a game start mashing buttons mash buttons to hit the things that with the big Hulk gloves on button mash do a mini game yeah yeah so yeah I'm liking it and I'm liking it a lot better than I thought I would yeah I, I'll get my thoughts out of the way because I know Jim is feeling a lot more negative than I am on it currently oh I've got a slightly divergent take <laughs> I well here's the thing I'll I'll say up front sort of what I have experienced of it. So I have been saying since this game got revealed what I wanted out of this game was a single player superhero campaign where like just big flashy punch a bunch of stuff for superheroes and to not have to think about the online live service multiplayer all of that nonsense. And I've not yet touched any of that stuff. I have just played the single player campaign. And what I will say is I was surprised that at no point between the start of the single player and the end credits rolling, did it try and go, what if you stopped playing and did some multiplayer missions? Why not go do that? It did allow me to just go story mission to story mission to story mission to story mission and didn't have to worry too much about the gear system. Occasionally it'd flash a message up on screen going, you've got higher level gear. So I'd find the one that had a bigger number and put that on and go, I, I guess that's fine now. Some of its mechanics that are clearly there for the live service stuff, like faction missions and this, that and the other, it reminds you about them a bit too much in the single player. I had a very emotionally charged cutscene where like, as a character was professing their very emotional feelings on screen, I don't think it was meant to be there, popped up, go and talk to this NPC to redeem your faction rewards, which was a bit tonally dissonant. <laughs> um, but like, I've had a lot of people asking me about this game. Can I just pick this up and play a single player superhero adventure? And yeah, you can just pick this up and play through just the single player missions and have a good 15 hours of basically kind of mindless superhero power fantasy. Um, there's a lot of stuff it borrows from the Tomb Raider games that Eidos did before. A lot of the sort of, here's a big running away sequence where you have to find the, the right things to jump over and recognize some scratches on the wall to know you can scramble up that. And it's it's got sections like that. It's got, it's, it's got your sort of generic, here's a bunch of nothing bad guys, beat them up and feel very powerful. Occasionally you have a boss fight that's a bit more involved. I had a lot of fun with it. I know that it was basically popcorn flick stuff. It's nothing in there is going to be so memorable that 
it's going to stick with me as a story. But at the time, I had a lot of fun being the Hulk and smashing a bunch of glass walls and beating up robots and jumping across things and Hulk smash. And I had a lot of fun doing big stretchy arms, punching stuff from across a room. I had a lot of fun just beating stuff up and having it not be too much of a challenge and lots of flashy things happened and it was very dramatic action film pacing. In fact, that's all I wanted out of it. And I got that out of it. I had a good time. And I'm dreading looking at the online games as service stuff that I have to look at because I'm, I'm doing it for work and I'm not looking forward to that bit. But the bit I've played so far, I had fun with. Right, Jim, what do you think? So I thought it was swill. Yeah. Personally. Um, <laughs> it's just my, you know, my take on it. I'm glad, like, uh, the, the belief that it's not as bad as people thought it would be is certainly not uncommon. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm always glad that, you know, if people have spent money on the bloody thing, that they're getting their money's worth. I don't feel I did, <laughs> um, personally. Uh, no, I, I can't stand it. I, I mean, for, for one thing, my eyes are thanking me that I don't have to deal with that game's camera anymore. Um, I mean, playing as the Hulk alone is just, it, it's migraine-inducing for me. Um, there are plenty of camera options, none of them really helpful. Um, between that and the messy cluttered UI and the general button-mashing mess that is the combat, I mean, just from an audio-visual perspective, I think the thing is a mess. Um, and that's before we get into the crashes that I've dealt with and the, the various physics glitches and the visual glitches. What have you... I've had some visual glitches, but I've not had any crashes or physics issues. Oh, really? What are you playing on? I'm playing on PS4. Just the base PS4? No, no, PS4 Pro. I, I was playing on the base PS4, no issues. Well, I had issues, but I'll get to the... They were more in the, like, oops, why is, the, why, why is it 15 frames a second camp? Oh, I mean... I had a cutscene like that. It, 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 it was amazing. It was like it was playing on a zoetrope or something. It was a slideshow until it caught up with itself. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I had one of those. Yeah, that, that was one of the more amusing ones. I was recording footage this morning for Urge Impressions, and it's in the video because it was the first thing that happened to me. Halfway through a fight, the whole thing just crashes out. So that's been, been delightful. I can't really get the online to work so far. I've had like one person join a game. I don't know if matchmaking's rubbish or people are playing different things i know it's it's not a great layout for a matchmaking system yeah. i find the gear tiresome but then i had to play destiny and i had to play anthem the latter of which this game inconceivably takes too many uh, inspirational mm. notes from i mean it, it, once i was getting into playing iron man i'm like wow I, this really is anthem but somehow slower and i don't know how they managed it um like the what there's one sequence where iron man's like hey jarvis play something fast and he's like oh it's gonna speed up to max F iron man flighty flight time and it's gonna be like flappy bird but marvel and it's gonna be really oh he's not really going all that fast is he and, and the whole thing just feels so flat and drab Marvel is the best aspect. Yeah. She's the good aspect. Um, I like her. Um, her, like, nerding out over the Avengers and her sort of whole character arc, and that is good. Yeah. Um, but, but the other Avengers really do feel like... Um, like, just the... I, I, I called it minimum artistic direction. As, as sort of the artistic equivalent of minimum viable product. It's like, they, you can look at them and know that is Black Widow, that is Thor, that is Captain America. But there's no unique take on them or not even a good version of the bargain basement version. It's like mediocre cosplay level. Like, they good enough to enter a cosplay contest would never win. 
I wasn't bothered by them on on that front, but like I I will agree I they did not put nearly as much effort into trying to characterize them as they did um Miss Marvel and I think I think a lot of what they were banking on was you'll assuming that players will transfer the characterization work that legwork that was done in the MCU and just sort of paste that on top of these versions of the characters. Yeah. I mean, I don't want to be cynical and say it's to sell the cosmetics and I won't do it because the cosmetics are shit they're, they're just as bad they are just as, as factory standard and shitty looking as the rest of it um, I mean I don't even know how you make the MCU look that colourless and drab overall it's, it's an artistic uh, achievement and, and then on top of that just the the, the the, the games as service trappings um, that spills over into the level design as well, where, like I said, it just it, it feels like I'm playing Anthem again, uh, but somehow messier and more dull. But I will concede, like, if you could dig under all of it, it's not unfun at times. Yeah. There are story missions um, in particular that are quite good. Um, they can be quite good, and I like playing as as um, Ms. Marvel, and I like playing as uh, Black Widow. Yeah, and I find though them them two quite entertaining to play as. Um, and I do think they did a good job of making Thor's hammer go bonk. <laughs> uh, the bonk noise is very good. Yeah. Um, in a game where a lot of the impact otherwise isn't really felt with some of the characters, the the hammer bonky bonk is good. Um, but other than that, like. To me, this is the perfect way to end this generation because it does sum it up for me in, in terms of mainstream um, video game products. Uh, this nails it. All it's missing is the loot boxes, but because Square Enix announced this game without having them to really cynically achieved applause from a, a pliable E3 audience, uh, that's still quite thematically on point because it just sort of adds to that mealy mouth corporate backtracking um, that I adore so much. So, you know, three out of five stars, really. Yeah, I had fun with it. That's, that's all I can say. Maybe it's because I've not had a big budget action fest to play through in a bit. I mean, you might not be as sick of them as I am because I'm, I'm just this... That particular looter shooter... Collect lots of gear and scrap it and just raise one power level bullshit. Like, nothing matters. All is transitory. Don't bother. That approach to RPG mechanics, I'm so over it. I just can't with it anymore. Oh, I can't wait until Godfall. Uh, comrade, you've not talked much yet this episode. You, what have you played this oh, week? Spill the beans! <laughs> I mean, it's really just been more Fall Guys, yeah. Oh, you've literally been spilling the been beans. Been spilling the beans. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. I, I've had a really, like, just really busy week with other stuff that's not video games, which is awesome. <laughs> but, um, you know, in, in amongst that, mostly what I've been doing is playing Fall Guys and... Turning up at my place uninvited while I'm trying to play Fall Guys. Yes, that's right. <laughs> just Just barging in. <laughs> In the middle of you live streaming, because that's the kind of person that I am. I have no no boundaries. I appreciate you coming around and helping, nonetheless. Yeah, it was fun. But, um, yeah, and, and I've appreciated the changes that have been implemented to some of the games. I am still totally over barrel roll. <laughs> if I never barrel roll again in my fucking life. You can barrel roll as Iron Man in Marvel's The Avengers. I have... 
seen in, the other day I saw a really weird thing happening where it was slime climb in almost every grouping of games I played and it would pop up second or third very often. It was wild. Yeah, that's that's usually one of the rarer ones to show up in rotation for me. I've been seeing it a fair deal. I think I saw it quite a few times when I was streaming it yesterday as well. It does get rid of an awful lot of people sometimes. Yeah, it does. I mean, I've seen several games end in round three now. Um, I'm seeing a lot less team games cropping up in the rotations. Oh, oh, and Slime Climb. Oh, people have figured out how to be dicks on slime climb now oh yeah oh because there's that one spot one trouble spot it's the trouble spot i talked about i think last week uh that i was having a hard time with with the set of two dowels with the third uh that is the lone passageway oh yeah they only need to plant themselves there yeah they just have to sit there in the middle of it and there's nothing anyone can do and they'll just wait and let everybody behind them drown and maybe the two people behind them that can fit onto the thing if they can get on there without knocking themselves off they might get to live too (laughs) it's such a shitty thing to do And, and, and yet and yet and also at the same time as just as i said last week with the guy who figured out that he could launch me off i kind of have to respect it on a you know if you are a person who wants to win and this is the only strategic move to make <laughs> because anybody who could clear slime climb can be a serious competitor in any one of the final round games. And the point at which you determine whether or not you can clear slime climb is there. If you stop them from doing it, you're eliminating all your worthy competition. I fucking <laughs> get it. But, um,. Oh, man, is it dick. This is why this is a game that needs to have seasons of content, because you've, about a month is what it's going to take for people to discover the ways to screw each other over, and that's about when you need to rotate in new stuff to do. But what I will say is that I give Mediatonic credit for being active with it and shaking things up. When we started recording, like, as we were pressing the button, uh, the social media account tweeted out, a gif of something they're calling Big Yeetus. It is a mm. very large spinning hammer uh, that they say will randomly appear in levels. And <laughs> I love it. And there's an accompanying gif uh, near the end of Dizzy Heights, right before the spinning series of platforms that you have to hop up to get to the final ramp. There's a hammer before you jump off. There's a fall guy, jumps in front of it, rides the hammer launch all the way across it to the ramp and skips all of that spinning. So they keep doing things like that on a regular basis. I'm in. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like, like you've got to keep it surprising. Yeah. So I'm, I'm still enjoying it. It was, there was getting to be a period where it was starting to drag. I am playing it less on time that, you know, like I'm not streaming. Right. I am doing less of playing it in the evening or playing it in the morning when I get up before I start work. But if they keep shaking it up, then I will continue to stay curious and keep diving in. Uh, that That's that's something. Yeah. Uh, Tanya, have you been playing anything else this week you fancy chatting about? 
Um, I've been playing Animal Crossing. Actually, it's open now as we're recording because um, <laughs> I decided I'm going to get in like 10 minutes of Animal Crossing and there's no such thing as 10 minutes of Animal Crossing. It's the kind of game you can get away with playing while you're doing something like a podcast. No one's going to know unless you tell them. <laughs> yeah, it's just open. I'm like, eh, I'll leave it open, whatever. It's just there. <laughs> um, and I, I have played a little Fall Guys. And by little, I mean maybe an hour and a half. And uh, it's interesting. It's not as rage-inducing for me as I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do watch a lot of people stream it. I, I lurk in chats. And I find it interesting that it's so rage-inducing to some people. And part of mm-hmm. me wonders if it's being on for the stream audience, or are you really this mad at this game? I, I don't understand the rage so much either, because like I've, I've never found Battle Royales rage-inducing, because, you know, you've got 60, 100 people, depending on the Battle Royale playing, you're probably, you're not going to win, statistically. There's You're going to win maybe one in 60, one in 100 matches, if the odds pan out, why be mad about losing? I don't want to sound condescending, but this is all spoken like people who are not the number one top ranked Fall Guys player on their street. <laughs> you mean... Some oh, of us have but... reputations to maintain. I, you know what I mean, though? Like, in a game where you're probably going to lose, I don't understand how you can get that mad. And Jim, I, I lurk in your streams a lot, and I enjoy your content. But I also, you know, I know you as a real live human being and not the Jimquisition. So I watch this and I know it's you. I'm talking about the streamers that like get mad. They throw controllers. They stomp off from their chairs. And I'm like, you're, you're playing a cute jelly bean. How can you be this mad? You like, I played it a little bit and it was frustrating. It was more frustrating when people would knock me over, grab me so they could get anything. I'm like, Unless there's some Battle Royale cup that I've entered and I'm going to win real money, this is supposed to be just a game. And I don't know why you're throwing me off a ledge. Why? What did I do to you? (laughs) And as these sorts of things go, I think it is probably more good natured than the vast majority of other Battle Royale-type games. I'm not surprised that there are people who are finding ways to make the experience less pleasant for other people in very deliberate fashion, and that's unfortunate. But I also see more examples of people like being just genuinely supportive and cool to each other through the game. There was that one lovely video going around this week of someone who took their entire round to help teach someone with no words how to jump and grab onto a ledge. Yeah. That was really lovely. That was someone just like uh, showing the grab action, showing the jump, trying to show like you do this, then this, and eventually they taught them and it was really sweet. Aww. You know, and like... Yeah, every race ends with a few people hanging out at the end of the, the run and one of them might grab you. But... Just as likely, they might just toss you a little emote wave or thumbs up, and I think that's cool. Oh, I think it's great. Uh, but again, I and you know, and, and this diverges a little bit where friends and I have been talking about kind of the person you are on stream or on a panel mm-hmm. or when you're making your content versus who you are when every like cameras are off, you're not on Twitter, you're not on a, a show, what have you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, are you being a little extra for the sake of entertainment? Can I offer a unique 
inversion of, of that perspective. Of course, it is your show. Because you've seen me stream. Yeah. And you've seen me stream Fall Guys, presumably. Yeah. Um, and I am pretty laid back and chill. And that, at times, is the put on, because I have genuine, like, anger stuff that I work on, and, you know, I'm way better than I used to be. But I work on it, and, and I am, I'm prone to get angry even at a game like Fall Guys at times. Um, and I make sure that I don't do that on camera because it's not particularly dignified. In fact, it's something no one really sees. So I would say uh, if, if someone is genuinely angry to that level, that probably does speak to a, maybe an actual anger issue that should be addressed. But a lot of people are just putting it on for a camera I mean, if they're being, you know, performing, yeah. like making a thing of it. Um, and that's never been my style anyway. But I just, coming from someone who does, like, get angry over irrational things at times, like, that's my view of it, is I actually, like, make sure to keep that in check in, around anyone, really. Like that's yeah. it's it's not a, a pleasant side of me. So I you know I keep it to my to myself. Yeah, I mean for me, I do get very angry. I cuss a lot, but it's just how I am, and I get angry at the stupidest, most random things. But that's when I go, okay, I'm done now. Goodbye. Yeah. And you know I've had people, oh, you're rage quitting. The game's too much. Yes, yes, it is, and it's sure not fun for me to be this angry. And for you to watch me be this angry or hear me. It's actually yeah, the right way to do yeah. it. Yeah. You got, you got to recognize your own mental state and go, I'm the, the state I'm in while playing right now is not good, so I will stop. Right. And, you know, and I, I'll get the, oh, teehee, you rage quit over, you know, fill in the blank game. And I'm like, honestly, how entertaining is it for you to sit here and watch me fail over and over and get more frustrated? And, you know, I've had people do that and I'm like, okay, so if you honestly are here to be entertained by me failing, this is not the place for you to be. That's not fun for me. It's not fun for anyone else. Yeah. Ah, right. What else we got on the uh, the topic list for today? Oh, I, pl- I played a thing. Can't talk about a thing I played. You may. I I played through the first episode of Tell Me Why, which is uh, Tell Me Why. New ga- I I I was very restrained. I streamed the first episode <laughs> of that game, and I only <laughs> made that joke like four times during the stream. Just four. Just four. That ain't bad at all. I held back pretty well. I think. I, I admire you. So yeah, this is another one of those episodic choice-based games from the people that made Life is Strange. This one's being published by uh, by Microsoft. Uh, it, like, they've not bought the studio or anything, but they just published this one game. First first up, I really like that all three episodes are coming out just a week apart from each other. I hate playing these kind of games and just having mysterious months-long gaps, not knowing when when it's going to continue being a thing. So that's great. Within three weeks, I'll have played this whole game, and that's wonderful. The general concept of this one is you've got a pair of twins. They've got psychic twin powers. It's a bit of a a trope, but they've also got magic see visions of the past powers, because... Don't nod games need to have some kind of magical powers going on. Generally, the, the, the event that sets the narrative in motion is kind of traumary, and I'll, I'll get it out of the way here. Of the two twin characters you play as, one of them is Tyler, who is a trans man, and the core conceit of the narrative is Tyler's mum, as a kid, tried to kill him for being trans. He ended up killing her in self-defense, and... After a decade away, you know, going through the juvie system, he comes back to his hometown with his sister and they're going to sell the, the, the house they grew up in and 
Oh, it turns out maybe, maybe, maybe it's not all as it seems. I talked about this game a bit like a month ago or so because Don't Nod put out like quite a detailed Q&A about how they were handling their trans character. And I'm glad I read that before going in because a lot of my biggest concerns and worries about the core premise and setup of this game, that Q&A was very much like, hey, don't worry about this thing because X, Y, and Z try to set, uh, set some fears aside up front. Um, I don't want to get too spoilery here. Um, I've got a video that I'm publishing probably Friday of next week that'll go into a bit more spoilery thoughts, but I think they play around a lot with... They play around with tropes under a sort of understanding of, oh, well, we, uh, well it's not actually going to be that trope, so it's fine. And they make you sit with kind of uncomfortable tropes in places for maybe longer than they should do before, you know, giving you a heads up as to what's actually going on. I really like the the writing of Tyler as this trans man character. Um it's very clear that they can like they consulted with multiple people from from Glad. Um they gave the trans man who voices the character input over the the dialogue, ability to make changes to the script as it was being put together. And a lot of that shows there is a lot of attention to detail in very specific things that I don't think you would get in in a the way this character is portrayed if purely non-trans people have written them. I think it's the best written thing that Don't Nod has made by quite a long stretch. It doesn't have any of that weird go fuck yourselfie like attempts at teen dialogue that Life is Strange had. It's it seems to have managed to get over that hurdle of the uncanny feeling that businessmen in a boardroom tried to write children. Which is really nice to see Don't Nod actually manage to write some characters that that talk like humans. That's good. I I ultimately was really happy with this with with this first episode. Like I know I've been a little bit complaints here and there. In in terms of like hitting the the to-do list of things that you should do as best practice for writing a trans character. They hit most of they hit most of the the, the the bullet points the way they should be done. When referring to Tyler in the past tense before he transitioned, subtitles purely call him Young Tyler. Never bring up his dead name at any point. His sister always refers to him with he him pronouns, even when talking in the past tense about events prior to his transition. Like, they hit all of the this-is-what-you-should-be-doing points. Hey, Sweary, we got a game for you to play, mate. Yeah, I kept going through this going, like, this is the exact antithesis to how Sweary fucking dealt with the trans character in Deadly Premonition 2. But, like, one thing that I didn't realise would be as impactful to me as it was until playing through it was this playable character in a major game actually calls himself trans. He calls himself transgender, he references himself as a trans man, and other characters acknowledge that that is his identity. Because like, I was thinking this through so often when you do get trans characters in major games, usually as like NPCs you can encounter, they don't ever explicitly say this character is trans. I've noticed that too. They they trip over themselves to to make it a, an implication yes. situation. Like, if if you look at like say The Last of Us 2 this year, uh Lev, wonderful character, little unsure whether they need it like they definitely didn't need to dead name Lev in that one scene, you know. But like Lev is never explicitly called a trans man anywhere in the game. They are played by a trans man actor, and it is very clear that is what they are going for, but they never use the words. You've got the trans man character you can meet in Horizon Zero Dawn, who is never called a trans man explicitly. Um, you've got characters in, like, 
Dra- Dragon Age, um, Krem in Dragon Age, never explicitly called trans. There's a lot of like dancing that line and going, oh well, if someone doesn't like it, then they can they can deny that that's what's going on because we haven't used the word. It was really nice to have a trans character actually just say that they're a trans character. And that was weirdly, like, I didn't realise how much that was a thing I kind of wanted. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I can, yeah, totally, yeah, I can see that. There's there's some bits of Tell Me Why that are going to be a bit difficult to play. They're going to be a little emotionally difficult to play if you're a trans person. Not all of it is as difficult, emotionally tough as it seems at the time, and that's its whole pro- its own whole problem of sort of using trauma stuff as a sort of tease and a oh it's mm. oh it's not what it seems. It's like, that's a bit of a heavy thing to play around with. But I'm really enjoying it. I'm really excited to see where the next couple of episodes go, and I've 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 really become quite attached to these characters. So yeah, I'm I'm quite I'm quite invested in Tell Me Why. Well, that's good. That's it's good. It's good to know that they're on a uh, a more reliable schedule as well. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a, another episode up Friday, and then another the Friday after that, and then it's done. And it's nice to know when I will have finished playing it all. Uh, anyone else played anything else they want to talk about? I played two games. I can talk about them real quick. Yeah. I played Moon, that that reverse and no anti RPG, the Onion Games. Um, uh, I guess remastered or ported over or whatever. Translated by Tim Rogers. Oh, well, there you go. Mm-hmm. Played Moon and I played Windbound, both on the Switch. I played Moon, I walked around and then fell over and died and played that since. And Windbound, walked around, fell over and died. So... I've played that since. Well then. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so we got we got some newsy things on the list to talk about. Tanya. Yes. Graphics cards are a thing. Yes. I I, I, I hear you have opinions about graphics cardy <laughs> things that have happened. Yeah, I um I did a watch party for the NVIDIA launch or announcement of what turned out to be the 30 series cards. Um I'd seen a lot of rumors, a lot of leaks, and I'm like, you know what, until I hear from NVIDIA themselves i'm not gonna believe it because you never know what is true yeah some of those rumors that were going around that turned out to be true did sound a little too good to be true yeah like i i speculated myself on price just because of how much video cards are costing right now yeah and i'm really glad to see the 3080 is not going to cost more than my rent so is, is, is that the one that's coming at about $500 ish? Yeah. So the founder's edition, and that one's actually going to be uh, available very soon. September 17th, mm. the 3090, which is like equivalent to the Titan that's out now. It, that yeah. one is the, the powerhouse. You can do 8k, which I don't think anything in my machine knows that 8k exists. I, it's going to be a good decade before I have a screen that knows that that's a number of pixels that could exist. <laughs> yeah, because I, I, I had a moment of I want all the things because I saw the uh, the the super fancy monitors that they showed and then I looked them up. Yeah. One monitor is going to cost almost as much as my whole computer if I want to go that route. <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> so that is for when I get a really, really, really well-paying uh freelance gig and I don't need to spend any money on anything else. Yeah. <laughs> or if I can get really good in with one of the people who make them. But <laughs> you know, just looking at the stats and the way that they show things cuz um they use Death Stranding on PC as a good example of using DLSS and um I do have I do have Death Stranding on PC and just like the small details 
that hmm. you see with DLSS on versus off. And if you pick performance over quality and, you know, I've got a decent machine, but I don't have like these powerhouse rigs that they're sh- using to show these cards off on. And, you know, unless you feel like dropping 1500 or $2,000 or can, the 3080 is a good upgrade, even if you've got a 2080 now. Yeah. As, as someone that is like in the process of like, mm, at some point in the next couple of weeks, I'm going to have some, some work money coming in and I need to, I need to up- update my years out of date PC. That 3080 looks real nice and is not super ridiculous price range. Yeah. I did see some people who were like, I just got one of the uh, the, the 20 series cards for like $1,200 and now this 3080 exists for considerably less and probably does more. Yeah. I mean, I, so full disclosure, I've got a 2080 Ti sitting behind me as we record this that I got through the fellowship program I completed at USC and part of me is like, do I bother installing it if this new card that outperforms it is going to be out in literally a couple weeks? Kick it over a fence. What? <laughs> Kick it over a fence. Oh, God. Push no. it into a pond. Just get rid. Uh, no, because, I mean, it, it, I still... It, the card literally was unsealed until yesterday because I've, for various and sundry reasons, a not-quite-computer upgrade is sitting on my coffee table. Um, so <laughs> the the video card and some more RAM, aside from some guts from my current machine, are all that's left to do. It's, it's just finding a whole day where I can be literally offline and do no work to finish the build. That's... That's always the problem. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the main takeaway I had watching some of that NVIDIA stuff this week was, it's a thing I think about a lot. There is never a, there is never the right time to, to put a PC together, because no matter when you do it, like a week later, it'll be like, oh, well, now here's that new thing that you probably should have put in the build. That will never be the perfect time to do it. <laughs> yeah, and I know a lot of people were waiting to see if the 30 series rumors were true because of cyberpunk and you know they showed some of that they showed some of watchdogs legion and when you go to the site there's a lot of you know you can kind of do the slide thingy to to compare with um ray tracing on off and it's night and day and i i'm a techie i do love this stuff but i actually like let a lot of f-bombs drop when i saw the difference with you know rtx on rtx off and i was just like wow this actually may be worth the money and holding out yet another two weeks to finish the computer bill that's been sitting on my coffee table for quite a while. <laughs> uh, you mentioned Ubisoft briefly there. That w- This show has a recurring segment of, oh no, Ubisoft, Ubisoft, a company that spent years and years covering up for allegations of uh, abuse from its upper management, continuing to do nonsense things. And... Conrad, do you do you want to give a, a do you want to sum up what they did this weekend? Oh, I would I would like you Actually, I'd like you to give your summary oh, and then I'm going to expand upon your summary. Yeah, yeah. So I I I put the the summary which is the like here is the bullet point and I know I completely underplayed it here, but um I I I'd, I'd written down Ubisoft releases mobile game where raised fist imagery is used for a terrorist organization that only 
pretends to want social change as a cover for destroying the government, and our heroes are special forces agents and released violent criminals forming an assassination squad to go save the day. To which I responded, this is a charitable description. Yeah, yeah, as I said, I didn't want to get into the weeds in our show notes, but do do you want to get into this, Conrad? Oh, I very much would. Um, So they released this mobile game, and I honestly can't remember the name of it. It's Elite Squad. Elite Squad. I think it's called. Yeah, something like that. Tom Clancy Elite Squad or something. This is the one they keep showing at conferences and having, like, Sam Fisher in it, and everyone keeps going, new Splinter Cell. Oh, it's a mobile game. Right. And the introductory video to this mobile game provides this setting of a, you know, a time of great division Mm. in a country where protesters are demanding equality. But in reality, these protesters are being organized by a shadowy group of, you know, conspiracists who wish to overthrow the existing order and implement their new world order. And uh, you know what? So what happened is is it, it got around, you know, like it would. Yeah. And because in that imagery that they used to identify the protest movement, they chose a black raised fist. Which is the only piece of iconography they used to demonstrate this group. There were yeah. immediate, you know, parallels drawn to the current situation. And it has been pointed out to me, and I think pointed out to, you know, to others. That, oh, well, you know, come on. They've had this game in development probably for a couple of years now. How could they have possibly foreseen this political turn of events? And I think, A, that's a very fair argument to make. I don't think you have to look particularly hard at where right-wing radio was around 2015, 2016 to see this narrative being laid out, right? But I do believe them when... You know, they express the idea in in this apology that they, you know, regret putting that fist in there and and are changing it on that basis, because I don't think it was ever really necessarily about associating it with BLM at all. Um, And I'm grateful that they did it because it drew attention to it, because what this really is, is right wing conspiracy theory globalist nonsense that is pandering to the absolute worst people in that arm of politics yeah the the thing is is even with like they've said okay we'll edit the fist out of the the intro video to try and uh, take away that connotation but even without that it still is very much Mm, this this sort of left-wing uh, protest uprising that's happening is actually just a cover for a shadowy conspiracy that wants to take away all your rights and freedoms. George Soros. And the only way to fix it is for the military people with guns and violent criminals that we're just going to trust to go out there to go and put the, the problem into their own hands by shooting people. The irony, the irony of... of- Ubisoft's little game making that accusation is, especially with the use of the fist, they're revealing that they are wearing a fucking mask that slipped off momentarily, which is 
the only thing they're apologising for in any of this. We are sorry that we said a ver- uh, that we said a specific group. The fist is a mask-off moment for Ubisoft that, that really demonstrates what Yves Joumeau's son really thinks. Because mm-hmm. let's not forget... He's the one heading this shit up. Yeah. So that that was a whole that was a whole thing that Ubisoft did this week, and it's just the latest in a long line of things. Can they stop, Ubisoft? Can you stop? It's a li- latest in a long line of abuses. Can we just say that? Yeah. Yeah. And at some point this week, Ubisoft also once again reiterated that they don't make political games. Their games aren't political. <laughs> They've been saying this for years, but their video games are not political. <laughs> there are still there are still subgroups of the gamers TM who think I am an idiot for saying that Ubisoft knowingly exploits political imagery and pretends that it doesn't do anything political. They are just fucking gaslighting us at this point. I'm I'm amazed that they still try and argue that Watch Dogs Legion isn't a political game when it's clearly Brexit the game. Ubisoft lies. Like, I've, I've said this for years and they've never, like, questioned me on it. I've never been accused of slander because it's true. In fact, the game industry as a whole is lucky I don't lie about it because they don't do jack shit because they don't want to face up to any of this. So Ubisoft is like... A well-known liar, and I have documented instances of it lying. And this not-political shit is the most brazen of its lies. And because because it believes that the nature of, of this discussion is subjective enough that you can't demonstrate they're lying, they keep going on about it. They keep, They just keep lying. But the lie is demonstrable. When you're, when you're releasing a game like the elite or whatever the fuck it is. I mean, when you're just making Tom Clancy games, full stop, you can't make these claims and you can't fucking do a Brexit Britain watchdogs and tell us no politics to see here move along. Don't think, just consume. Just buy, think what our game tells you to think, but don't think about why it's telling you to think that. Fuck off Ubisoft, you disingenuous little fucks. So that was that story. <laughs> I mean, I mean, do you, Tanya, do you have any thoughts on this thing? Well, what's funny is when Laura and I were catching up last night before we recorded, I'd not seen any of it, mostly because, can I swear? Please. Yeah, you can swear as much as you like. Okay. Oh, please, yes. Look, I'm a guest. I'm trying to be polite. Hey, hey, we, we encourage you to swear all the fuck you want. All right. Look, I, I have some manners. <laughs> That's good. We don't. <laughs> Look, I can't help you all get manners. That's I, and also I charge extra for that. Um, so you know, Laura, Laura's asked me about this one, and I was like, I, I don't pay attention because I don't fucking play mobile games. I am not the girl that oh, girl gamers, teehee, they only play mobile games. Are you sure you didn't make that Twitch list? Oh fuck that Twitch list. <laughs> Look, I, I just blocked the dude because I didn't want to feed the outrage machine. And we can talk about that For later sure. if it's on the docket. Oh, no, I, I it's not. No, no, no. But but the TLDR on that dude, fuck that dude. He's never gotten a date. And I'm sure he's never seen a real live woman outside of porn. So that's a him problem. 
He's going to be like the guy that sued all the hot Twitch streamers because he has a problem. Fuck that dude. Him and his milady. Wait, can you just sue Twitch streamers if you have problems? Because I've got loads of problems. <laughs> I can make bank. I mean... Is, is, your, is your problem that I have boobs so I have to keep jerking it and I, I jerked it raw and I, I, I'm suing them? I mean, parts of that story. Parts of that story ring true. I mean, that was the dude's <laughs> MO. He sued, tried to sue everybody. But, you know, really? you know, with the disclosure that, A, I have been a reviewer, I have worked with Ubisoft as a consultant on some of the games. You know, with that disclosure out there, I'm also, I've am also i also been a game player for much longer than I've been doing this work, is that, you know, the Division, all the games I like to play, that has always been a, a sticking point for me. You know, just kind of like with Detroit Become Human. There's no message. It's not political. I'm like, like, like in the Division 2, when there's a, I can't remember the exact mission, but you go through basically what is like the DC History Museum and you go through a Vietnam War section and I'm sitting here going, but, but politics, you, you have this. And my friends who live in DC are like, hey, this is nothing like the actual museum. So you've recreated a museum that does not exist and willingly put in a war section so that you have a way to shoot the bad guys. And I've always had this critique about Ubisoft games where all art is political and everybody, and it's not just Ubisoft that does it, a lot of game makers, the, oh, there's no politics here because they want to appease the masses that basically want to turn on their computer turn on their console, shoot the evil guys and feel better and get the serotonin boost of playing a game and having defeated the baddies. It's mechanically satisfying to point a trigger and pull the trigger and, and a, a gunshot happens and you you win, but people don't want to have to stop and think about the morality of doing that. It's a satisfying gameplay mechanic, but they don't want to think maybe it's bad sometimes to shoot certain people for certain reasons. But they still want to be told that video games are art and to be taken seriously. Somehow they want this too. Well, Jim, we can also all we could have the video games art argument because there are people who want to get on. But here's the thing, and and this goes for not just Ubisoft, but for any game, any game made by a single person up to the biggest AAA. Until people can have the conversations about there are politics in this game, there are messages in this game, there are people that you're using as stereotypes and tropes and holding that up and look at a game as more than merely entertainment and to some people a child's entertainment, we can never say the games are art. Now, I have literally been in a museum exhibit about video games at the VNA. Mm. Video games have been in museum exhibits. They have a lot of scholarly work put behind them, but the video games as art argument can never go forward as long as the people that want to basically, they want nothing more out of this than entertainment. And to them, the idea of being forced to think about something like, you know, let's say Mafia 3 and their, yeah. and the statement at the beginning of the game about if they'd taken the racism out, it would not be true to the time period of the game. And the fact that I got some of the worst racist bullshit on Twitch when I streamed it and got called all kinds of things and the reviews are people, I'm tired of hearing the N-word. It's so exhausting because they had listened to like a rap album. Try being an actual black person hearing that and not in the I'm talking to another black person way, but yelled at me as I walk down the street or when I try to stream and people see your face. So the video games art argument is out the window. That can't be had. Well, I think we need to draw a distinction between 
the the video games as a medium and video games as a product because for sure like if we're talking about the triple i video games i've i've long abandoned trying to have serious discussions about that that portion of the medium because i've we're having the same debates about art about all but basically every debate you can have about video games in the triple a space the same debates without conclusion that I had when I got into games media in 2006. The conversation has not advanced and I am so sick of it. Um, but but I, think, I think that only really applies to the more mainstream side. Every once in a while for kicks, you, you know, you po- you'll see one of these come up Somebody just fucking around who knows better, who knows what the reaction is going to be. Thinking, oh, it's going to be funny for me to say video games don't need review scores. And all of a sudden, mm. same shit all over again. Well, I mean, and, and that t- for me, that ties more to the video game as a product. If I if I am forced to because I absolutely hate numerical scores because it gives an arbitrary value that is subjective to me and to the person who reviewed it versus what someone else is going to Think of it because I could say 10 out of 10. Sure. Let's take the Marvel conversation. Laura and I liked it. Jim is not a fan. But if Jim gave it 2 of 10 and Laura and I gave it 5 out of 10 or 8 out of 10, we're going to be the ones hammered on Twitter. You know nothing about video games. How dare you? How dare you not give it a perfect score? Because I love it objectively. Yeah, there is far more actual information in here is why I liked certain things and why I didn't than there is in here is a number that's how good it objectively is. Right, and and I veered us oh. off, I'm sorry. Um, oh no, don't apologise. Going off tangent is this podcast thing. It's all good. Yeah, but but to get back to the, to the whole, you know, black power fist imagery, it's bullshit. It's fucked up. And the fact that, you know, I'm seeing people who worked on the game that that were like, oh, this isn't what I was told at all. Because there is a difference between what you start with and what the game winds up being as someone who's written on games, be them tabletop or video games or editing, and what you thought you were creating being something else entirely. Because the Black, the Black Lives Matter movement isn't just two years old. It's no. been going on yeah. for over a decade. So unless you have never looked at the news, not paid attention until George Floyd was murdered, you can't say you didn't know it didn't exist. And the Black Power Fist has been around since the 60s. I've got mm-hmm. a pick in the bathroom with that same fist that I've had for like 10 years. So you can't act like, oh, I didn't know it was a it, it was this symbology. And, you know, let's be real. The whole Black Lives Matter and Tifa, all of that is is a terrorist organization is right-wing ideology oh, for sure. because they're afraid because i forget the the woman's name she made the point of you know white people are afraid that we're gonna basically do the same things to them that were done to us we had the 450 turns of monopoly always being behind yeah. and you can't make a game like this whether it's mobile console pc switch what have you have that ideology in there and nobody go hey wait a minute and we're not looking at the possibility of maybe there was one lone soul who said something and they got outvoted because let me tell you, being the only black person in a room in those kinds of meetings is sometimes dangerous. 
is sometimes dangerous to your career. I think you're giving Ubisoft a bit too much credit for suggesting they'd have a black person well, in the room. You know. Because given what we know <laughs> yeah. about their management and what they actually think of the diverse teams that they use to self-market, it seems like no one who isn't white makes decisions at Ubisoft. So here's the thing, and, and this I say because I've visited a couple of the studios over the course of years I've been doing this work. The internal structure is diverse on some teams. I don't know where the game was made. I've never visited San Francisco office. So it's very possible they don't have a diverse team. It's very possible and it's not giving credit. It's what I've seen as someone who does diversity work is that they may have that one person, but that person is so low on the totem pole. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was talking about like upper management and stuff. Yeah. I mean, Leon Winkler is probably the highest ranking black person I know of. And, you know, and that's in one thing, but it's not on the development side. So, yeah. Um, so, again, it's it's one of those things where I and I've had to train myself with this because when I first started doing the diversity work that I do, it's like, oh, well, you must have never met black people. And then I get to go visit studios or talk to people. It's like, oh, you do have black people and brown people and queer people. They're just not in decision making roles. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's not enough to have diverse people within your company. You need to have the kind of company where those people are not only asked for their thoughts and being able to give input, but made to feel safe doing so and actually listened to. Makes a hell of a splash screen before your video game starts, though. Yeah, well, here's the thing, too, is that I would rather be out of work because studios have brought people to the table and hired them versus bringing in diversity consultants. Because there's still a limit to what I can do if I go to any studio, because there's only so much they can let me see. And especially with the pandemic, I can't go visit a studio right now. So I'd rather have people have jobs and be safe and have an income and have a voice at the table than to be, in some cases, the overpaid consultant. Depending on who it is, I may charge you a lot of money um, to do what I do and then basically have you listen or not listen because I can I can lead the, the diversity horse to water. That doesn't mean that they're going to fill up those canteens and actually act on it. Or mm-hmm. some places have asked me way too late in the process and I'm like, well, I don't know what to tell you because at this point you're going to have to delay your whole game. I can't help you. This is one thing I hear constantly from people I know who do consultancy work is that They are consistently, I hear stories of, oh, I got brought on so late in the project that I can tell them what they're doing wrong and they're not going to change a thing because the game ships in three months and they're not going to change it. Yeah. I mean, there are some projects that I'm working on now where I'm being brought in on the ground floor and it makes a world of difference. Yeah. I think it's probably the difference between people who actually care and people who want to just say they did it. Yeah. 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 Are you are you actually looking to fix it, or are you just looking for the we had consultants bullet point in the credits? Not even that, because there are things I worked on. I can just say I was a consultant, not specifically what I did, and that is a lot of projects because also what I hand them back in my assessment is not going to be the final product. So the changes I suggest are nowhere that the public will ever see them. But at least it'll make the game better when the public gets it in their hands. Yeah. I hope. That's that's the hope. It's all you can hope for. Yeah. Uh, we had two other quick bits of news on the topic list. One that we... There's probably not much to say about, but it's a nice thing. You know how Microsoft's been bringing most of their games to PC over the last couple of years? They've been making their big shift of all their yeah. first-party stuff comes to PC. 
looks like Sony's shifting that way as well. Uh, we had Horizon Zero Dawn came to PC not too long ago, and in an earnings report this week, they were like, hey, that went really well for us. We're very seriously looking at bringing more of our software in the future to PC. It's not a stupid move. Yeah. More places that people can give you money is not a bad thing. Exactly. Yeah. Like if it, And if they manage to still sell hardware on top of it, like I, I won't... I won't be quick to right now say, oh, this is the death knell of consoles. Like, for a while at least, if they still sell hardware on top of it, like, this is very good for them. And getting their games on PC where more people can play it is good for people who want to play stuff. You know, get that Bloodborne on that PC. If you look at Horizon Zero Dawn's PC port, it required a much more expensive PC to get it to run on PC than it would have just been to buy a second-hand PS4 and play it. I saw Casey Explosion um, had images of it. It didn't look nice. Yeah, and that's the thing. That's what will keep Sony's console business alive for a while is... Most people will not be able to, will not have a PC that can run PlayStation 5 games at a decent set of settings on their PC. It'll be there for the people who have their fancy top of the end PC rig. But for most people, oh, here's a box at a set price that costs about as much as a graphics card would by itself, and it'll play the games. Sure, I'll buy you a fancy box. But there's more options for people, and and I'm presuming they've not they're 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 not yet planning to do the Microsoft thing of day and date like simultaneously. No, so it, yeah, they can sell to the the PlayStation like base, and then wait for a while, and then all the PC holdouts can get theirs later. It's it's, it's good. It's it's a good move. What I really like, uh, like I, I think it's interesting the contrast between the two approaches of PC uh, of moving games to PC platform from their sort of walled garden uh, console because for Sony they're basically just opening up a luxury market, a luxury niche. You know, access to people that probably weren't gonna buy a PS4 anyway might have liked the games. Um, but shrug because I'm not going to play it without, you know, spec and on a, without a mouse and keyboard and, you know. Oh, for sure. Bloodborne on PC will sell shitloads. Right. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. And, but they don't have to at all cannibalize their PlayStation user base or discourage people from buying PS4s or PS5s to play those games because it will still remain. Oh, far from discouraging, they're inviting people to have the honor of applying to oh. get a PS5. <laughs> Ooh, shall yeah. we talk about that? Yeah, so this is just a bit of a story that was going around this week. Apparently, we have a bunch of next generation consoles launching in the next three months. Uh, what? You wouldn't. You wouldn't know it from the fact that we don't know what any of them cost or when they're releasing or literally anything about their releases other than they exist. One of them hasn't even been officially announced. The Xbox Series X, it's showing up on Game Pass codes, it's showing up on controller box art. The they haven't fucking announced the thing. Yeah, the 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 smaller, like the cheaper next gen Xbox. That yeah, like it's getting referenced in a bunch of Xbox marketing materials but they haven't bloody announced the thing but yeah so we don't know how much a playstation 5 is going to cost you or when you're going to be able to pre-order one but some lucky people got an email from from sony going hey you can register to maybe if you're lucky get invited to pre-order one at some point for some amount of money to receive it at some point but we got to do a background check on you first. Give us your PlayStation Network ID so we can have a snoop around. And they've not officially said what the criteria is, but I would guess... They said it was based on, like, 
like games played and all this kind of stuff. It said something to do with previous previous um, account activity or something like that, and it's presumably going to be. Do you buy a lot of games on release day and then buy lots of DLC and microtransactions for them? And do you play lots of lots of games online connected to your PSN? And are, are you a good consumer? I mean, it's 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 a glimpse at the perfect world for these publishers. Like, I won't go as far as to say it's like entirely malevolent, but it's it's certainly controlling. And the fact that we don't even have a date and a price for this bloody thing. And, and Microsoft, like everything I'm hearing about the Xbox is amazing. Like we've got that Xbox S that, that they haven't announced, but is a thing. We've got the Monster Energy promotion that's still going ahead for a Halo Infinite. Um, you've got a bank all the XP you've earned now for when the game comes out next bloody year. And they've got a, there's a show next month. I forget which one it is, maybe um, Tokyo or something, but there is a game show next month. And Microsoft's got something to do there, but they've to- told us not to expect any next-gen news. How are these boxes apparently releasing this year? Coming out soon! Oh, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Oh, the video game industry is something else. It's something else. So that's... That's uh, that's a thing. Did we have anything else we want to touch on this week, or is this a good place for us to start wrapping up? So we've done about an hour. Yeah, I think we should wrap it up. Yeah, lovely. This has been a real nice episode. Tony, did you have a nice time? I did. I I just mostly sat and listened for a bit. Yeah, you can be honest because we got a little in the weeds, but it's okay. I've I've done podcasts, so that's nothing strange to me. Um, but it was fun, and I get to chat with people I like. Yeah, yeah. It's been a while since we spoke, like proper spoke. Yeah, and I, you know, I've I've been getting the itch to do a podcast again, but with what time to actually, mm, yeah, to actually do it? But I've I've been wanting to go back to either Fresh Out of Tokens uh. or do something because I don't know. I just with everything going on in the world, my creativity has been very stifled and. Recording for a half hour, an hour is something that I can manage, but it's it's like playing D&D. It's when can you get a bunch of adults together at a set time every week or every other week? Yeah, that's the thing with any podcast. It's not only finding the time yourself, but... Oh, you tell me and Conrad about it. Jesus. My God, yes. But yeah, <sighs> I um, I had fun and I, I actually was thinking a lot about what you were talking about with... Tell me why, Laura. I got a key for it. And I've actually been hesitating to stream it uh, for two reasons. One, I have feelings about Life is Strange and they're not great feelings. And two, um, as a cisgender person, I'm not equipped to comment on things in the story. And I don't want to... I, I don't know that I'm equipped to comment on trans issues as I stream it, even though I got that same kind of... These are spoilery things, but so you know, and you're not, you're, you are aware of what's coming in the story, but how do I convey that without hurting an audience member or someone who wants to watch it? That is fair. Message me if you want, and I can give you some, like, here's the things that should probably be mentioned up front. And I can at least give you like, not everyone's opinion, but here is, here is some of my bullet points, if that would help. Laura comes highly recommended by games journalists that consult her and don't credit her. So you're in good hands. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. And I was like, I know, I, I, I feel this deeply, which is why now I'm like, am I going to be in the credits? Because I did work for you. 
So we'll see. <laughs> yeah. And I thought of Jim because I almost dropped the D20 I've been fumbling with this whole time. <laughs> that would have been a very loud noise. It would have been a very loud noise. But we've got to make the noises go away. Yeah. Which isn't going to be good for some listeners who will need to hear more things and maybe even like read words so they can hear the words inside their own heads. And I know, Laura, you will have them covered. Yeah, I've, I've got things you can hear. Uh, Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, Patreon, that's the one that pays the bills a dollar a month or more if you can, is the reason I get to do this full time, so thank you to everyone who supports me over there. I Twitch stream Mondays, Wednesdays and Fridays at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Um, every Friday I have a series that goes up on YouTube called Accessibility, where we talk about the video game industry and accessibility and representation. Basically, how can we help more people to be able to play games and to see themselves in the games they play? Uh, we've got an episode going up this week that I think is going to be one about dyspraxia, which is not a topic I've talked about much on the show. It, yeah, it might, there's another one it might be, but I think that's the one that's going up this Friday. Other than that, there's books, Uncomfortable Labels, that's about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. It's out now where books are sold. Things I Learned from Mario's Butt is a silly and serious illustrated coffee table book of video game character butt reviews, and that comes out on February 4th, 2021. And there's Gender Euphoria, which is an anthology of various non-cis people's uh, experiences of just positive, affirming, nice gender experiences that they've had. And that is hopefully going to be out in time for Pride Month next year, so look forward to that. And there's podcasts. Pixel Squirt, I talk about video game character pornography with Mari and Stacy from Geek Remix. Um, Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where me and my fiancé talk about things that aren't video games. And Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and seven. They're all self-contained stories. Usually this is where I would throw to Comrade, because he's also on Dice Funk, but we'll get to him in a minute. Tanya, do you want to self-promote again? Uh, sure. Uh, you can find me on my own Twitch channel, uh, Cypher of Tear. No set schedule, because freelance cuts into having a set schedule lately. Uh, Saturdays on my channel, you can see Dungeon Crossing, where I teach Gary Witta, uh, Brian Gray, Shannon Woodward, and Adam Nickerson how to play D&D in my Animal Crossing basement. We are back this Saturday, so 10 a.m. Pacific, 12 Central. Um, Thursday nights, you can catch me over at twitch.tv backslash wanderingdm, GMing a Dragon Age RPG game. And um, starting September 27th, I will be the DM for Rivals of Waterdeep Season 8, but on our own channel, which is twitch.tv backslash Rivals of Waterdeep. And my social handle is the same everywhere online. That is Instagram, Twitter, uh, also Patreon for myself and I Need Diverse Games are all uh, Cypher of Tier. I Need Diverse Games is twitch.tv INDG, where we do an RPG show on Sunday nights, which is all people of color. That is six Pacific, eight Central. And... Um, yeah, there's a lot of my work that I'm doing that I can't talk about. So, uh, but find me on the internet. I've got writing credits around. If you go to uh, my whole name, tanyadepass.journoportfolio.com, all the games journalism that I've done up until the last couple of years is there. And because people are terrible, I don't write about games anymore, except on my Patreon or my blog or in my Discord, because people can't just have an opinion and be civil about it. Mm -hmm. Um so yeah, be nice. And uh, if you find yourself blocked, 
by me. I do run Blocklist to be safe because people are terrible on the internet. So if you listen to this, go to follow me and you can't uh, ping me, do something, send a smoke signal up, and hopefully I will get it. Just don't send me a message at 6 in the morning because then I'll just leave you blocked. But yeah, but this was fun. Uh, I'm glad I got to come and hang out and actually chat about fun stuff. Yeah, it's been it's been lovely to have you on. I, I assumed we must have had you on at some point. I didn't realize we hadn't had you yet. <laughs> no, um, but it's funny, though, because the way my memory is lately, I could have been on it and then gone back and like, oh, wait, I was wrong. But I checked. I had not been on the show yet. So this was fun. It was nice to hang out. Yeah. Now I'll throw it over to Conrad. You're on Dice Funk with me and you do other things. Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Uh, I stream on Twitch three days a week, uh, generally, uh, 2 to 5 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. to, I don't know, what is that? Whatever. 2 p.m. Pacific. Um Twitch.tv slash that Conrad Zimmerman. I'm just really just playing a lot of Fall Guys still, um, but it's it's a good time. It's a fun stream. Uh, you can purchase anti-capitalist propaganda from me at pinfultruth.com. You can buy audiobooks from me at conradreads.com. You can just support my general nonsense at patreon.com slash fistshark. And uh, Jim. Oh, no. Don't you have a Patreon? Oh, yes. Jimquisition on Patreon, Jimquisition on Twitch. It's really that simple. Um, although, if you want to make things a little more complicated for yourself this weekend, on September the 5th, Saturday, you can go to Twitch TV slash Go Professional Wrestling, where MV Young's Polycult Party will be broadcast live from Pittsburgh. I will be there as Sterling, the super heavyweight supervillain, and it's going to be a gay old time in many ways. It's going to be delightful. So so do swing by. Be very, very welcome. Lots of wonderful live pro wrestling with uh, many live pro wrestlers who I can vouch for in their talent. And me, who a little bit more dodgy in the talent department, but I'll be there regardless. So there you go. I might even kiss MV Young if I'm very lucky. And that's it. Thank you so much to Tony for, for joining us today. Um, you're very, very welcome. It's astonishing we haven't had you on sooner, so I'm, I'm thrilled to have you on and speak to you again. And uh, I think that's it. We just say bye. Bye, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.